Hello, and welcome back to the Poorly Written Podcast, the only podcast on the internet where if we were president-elect, it'd be of, well, I don't know, what what town would we run? I'm looking for a what? opinion. What town are we going to run? President-elect. I don't know. We're not even 10 seconds into this podcast. You're already asking dangerous questions. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, we're living on the edge right now. I mean, we are in the uh, post-election. Today is the 11th of November. Uh, Veterans Day. Day. It is Veterans Day. Um, If you're listening to this podcast, and it's probably going to be out Sunday, most likely, like 99%. If you're listening to this podcast, um, happy late Veterans Day. Today is currently (laughs) Veterans Day. Very late, but better late than never, because all those deals go until Sunday, so. There you go. There you go. Uh, Today's episode, we're kind of wrapping up the uh, political talk that we've been doing. I mean, we've been talking, we've had not a lot, but just enough episodes that kind of covered the political climate of the United States this year. This is kind of the last one. And we have a special guest with us tonight. It is Ethan from Let's Talk Elections on YouTube. So say hi, Ethan. Hi, it's great to be here. And, you know, I, I don't think I need to do introduce anyone else. But, you know, Mike, Hannah's on, Sarah's on. Hey, howdy, hey. Yeah, we finally got those introductions down. So, um, today's episode... For once. once, It's been a very (laughs) peculiar day, so things are falling into place that normally won't. But anyways, moving on. Uh, today we are talking... It's a rare occurrence. It's a very rare occurrence. Like, all the stars lined up, but... (laughs) We got a lot to cover, so let's jump into this episode. We're gonna start... With uh, Ethan's background and his channel, how he kind of got into the political sphere, political realm. We're going to talk about the results that we have so far. Presidential, federal, you know, the Senate, uh, state and local elections. And then we're going to talk about what does this election, even though it's like, it's technically not over, but it's like 99% over. What is it going to mean as a whole for like next year, you know, the next election cycle, the next presidential one? 20 years from now and uh, stuff that's been happening recently, but we're going to get into that much later. So, Ethan, I'm going to let you have the floor and just um, kind of explain how did you get into politics and how did it lead you to your channel? So, I've been involved in politics for probably four or five years. Um, I got really involved in 2012 because I had to do a project on it for school and I wasn't initially interested, but that's sort of where... I got the idea that, oh, politics might be something fun to look at. Um, And it's really boring a lot of the time. But once we start getting close to the presidential election season, which is uh, obviously now, which is almost over, but um, that sort of time period is when I started ramping up my interest back in 2016, uh, about a year before the election. So let's say November 2015 was when I started involving myself and understanding the Democratic primaries and all of those things. And then I closely watched the election. I was in middle school and I was always on polling sites every single day up until the election, looking at 538 and a bunch of other sources. And then 2016 happened. And then I believe uh, just a little bit under a year later, I decided to make a YouTube channel because I wanted to talk about politics to more than just my parents. And I went out there and I made a YouTube video. And originally I was just going to make a few and then that would be it. I'd be done with it completely. But it started gaining traction and I realized maybe I could actually use this for something. I could grow my voice and I just stuck with it and it's three and a half years later and I'm really thankful for it. So I I got really involved because I noticed that people had similar interests to me and they were watching my videos. But um, the earliest time that I really focused on the election was probably 2012, but intently probably 2016. Yeah, because I remember, I think the first election I really paid attention to was the 2012 election. I mean, 2008, I remember Obama being uh, sworn into office. And the, the whole, my whole middle school in 2009, like, we they just stopped, like, the entire, all the morning classes just so we can watch Obama be uh, sworn into office as president of the United States. So that was kind of like the very early introduction to politics for me. But I think, you know, 2016 totally just turned what we know about politics and kind of turned it upside down. But I'm glad you were kind of sticking with it and finding interest in it because I know a lot of people had a 
had a distaste for politics kind of after that 2016 election. Yeah, I mean, 2016 was definitely a surprise, but I it was it's definitely the turning point for me. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's just interesting because I know you're a lot younger than we are here. I mean, I Sarah just turned 21 recently, and she was she's usually the youngest person in these chats and stuff, but not today, Sarah. So there you go. Um, How old are you? Um, I'm 17. Whoa! Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so there's me exposing myself for not doing my research coming into this episode. Yeah, it's um, not like I posted the channel links or videos or gave background on this guy in the group I chat. Watched, I watched his videos. Okay, um, I'm going to start off by saying uh, props to you for being so young and being involved in politics. You don't see that a lot with youngsters. I'm saying as if I'm so much older than you, <laughs> but... I'm the oldest one here, be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, being young isn't always the best thing to be in politics, just because a lot of the time people don't really take me seriously. I mean, I couldn't even vote. And I was telling people how the election was going to turn out years before it happened. So I could see why some people are skeptical. But being young is sometimes not the best thing. So that's why you probably, I mean, if you watch my videos, you probably wouldn't have known that I was 17. And I don't like to tell people that. But um, when I showed my face for the first time in like two years, I believe even a few weeks ago, people were kind of shocked about my age. And some people had mixed reactions, but generally it's been positive. So I enjoy what I do. I'm going to keep doing it. And oh, I'm, to you, man. I'm glad that's props. not a deterrent for you, because I know when I was a teenager trying to kind of understand politics and stuff, the a lot of my family, they're like, oh, you're too young to understand. Or they're like, well, you won't get it now, but you'll get it eventually. And the one thing... That always irked me when I heard politics. They're like, well, the older you become, the more conservative you'll be. And now now, <laughs> no, that, I, now that I'm uh, 23, been through college, had some life experiences, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know where this logic comes from or what people were telling me. But a lot of it, and, you know, I am going to curse because we are that type of podcast. Uh, that's frankly some bullshit that I keep hearing. There's a lot of BS that rolls into politics and what people so but i'm glad well, you're I, able to stick through and kind of you know grind it out a little bit stupid because uh like the older the older generation will be like well why aren't these younger kids like involved in politics why aren't they like doing their research but then once somebody like say like ethan who's 17 says something they're like oh you're too young to understand you should stay out of this it's just like okay what what do you want like which yeah. which Mm -hmm. Do you want us involved and do our research and speak our opinion, or do you want us to keep our mouth shut because we're kids? I can't tell you how many times my I have a sister that's like two years younger. I can't tell you how many times we got that like on social media during the twenty sixteen election. She was seventeen, just like Ethan, and I remember my cousin specific, specifically saying to her, "Oh, you're too young to understand any of this. You really shouldn't be putting your input into this." I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's uh, reaction. That's uh, that's usually a reaction I get. I mean, I don't try to discourage people from talking politics because if they want to have a genuine conversation, we will. But you know, I've learned you know which battles to kind of pick. Be like, this person actually wants to talk versus oh, they're just looking to prove that they're right. So it's a messy field. It's basically very what messy. To say. Very messy. I mean, in a in collaborations with like i would send mike often one of your videos be like oh what do you think of this and mike would be like you know me and mike would go back and forth on that so we were kind of keeping track of politics in our way but you on, on your channel really went in depth on some of the stuff and even some scenarios i really didn't even give a second thought to a lot of what i do is just i guess i, I sort of just take one election in particular and i dive into all the possibilities i mean there are a bunch of videos on my channel where I've made potential matchups between other Democratic nominees that didn't even make it past Iowa, really. And um, some of them dropped out, I guess you could say, I mean, the primary was pretty short. It ended around April. But if, if I was to say, you know, drawing it along, they probably dropped out midway. I mean, we're talking Pete Buttigieg, um, Elizabeth Warren, 
Michael Bloomberg, Bernie Sanders. I mean, I've made a lot of videos about a bunch of different matchups, even scenarios leading up to this election. Um, and a lot of it just because I really do like going in depth about an election. I mean, it, it would be really boring just to see every single day me doing the same type of electoral map. So I try to vary my content and discuss every single possibility. I had three years to do it. So at some point, I'm going to try to cover everything. And there's still some things that I wish I could have covered. But um, when it came down to this election and the ones in the past, like the 2018 midterm elections, I really just like going through every single possibility and discussing it. Yeah, and you're not afraid to be like, all right, here's a possibility for, you know, like what you said, Pete Buttigieg. And then, you know, as we got closer to that November 3rd date, you're like, all right, here's scenarios that where Trump can win or here's scenarios where Biden wins. And then that uh, 538 also mentioned the one tie scenario, and I think you went into that too. The doomsday scenario. Yes, uh, the doomsday scenario many have called. It's like, this is the absolute worst case scenario. Is yeah, that, that was... That was my, um, that's one of my most popular videos. I think it's ranked top five. And I, I mean, I have a lot of videos out there. And that one, the one where I talked about a tied scenario was one of the most popular ones because I titled it that, you know, this election is a nightmare scenario. And it would have been because not only would the election of our lifetimes probably been drawn out even longer, it would have gone to a very undemocratic system. And that was just fascinating to me that our system, I would say that was so broken. The way that I had to uh, talk about what would happen in a tie where the Senate and the House would decide the president, but the House wouldn't directly vote on it. It would be one vote per state. It was just such a weird scenario. And honestly, um, that part of the system, I would say, if any part of it was truly broken, absolutely what happens in a tied scenario. Yeah, I mean, we could we could keep going about like scenarios and stuff like that, but I kind of want to get into the kind of one of the first big things on this episode is the results that are in for the presidential level, the Senate, the House, but then our state elections and local elections. I mean, let's talk about the big one first. Let's go for the big prize everyone's talking about. I know some of the states, uh, there's only like, I think it's Georgia is the only one that still isn't done yet. Uh, I don't think According to the New York Times, Arizona, Georgia, and North Carolina have not fully chosen a winner, but it's, if anything... Arizona's going to go blue. North Carolina's going to go red. Georgia's going for, I think, full hand recount. And yeah, they just announced today. They just yeah. announced that today. All the ballots. And I think it's 5 million ballots in the state of Georgia between election day, early voting, and voting mail. It's going to be, you know, it, that's going to be one heck of a time. We might not know the winner of that state until early December. I think Georgia will be interesting with their runoff situation, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. We got two runoffs in Georgia. That's like Christmas. We're definitely <laughs> Christmas. Some okay. This coming weekend, because I'm pretty sure tomorrow is the deadline for mailing ballots for some states, right? I believe Nevada was going to like the 12th. And, and North Carolina's till tomorrow, and so is my state. A bunch of states, right. though, but we only talk about swing states, really. But North Carolina is till tomorrow. I know that for sure. But I, I've seen it called on. Um, the decision does HQ just because the outstanding ballots just I don't think are enough. It, it would have to, you know, split Biden 60 to 40. And these ballots aren't exactly going to be too favorable to Biden. Um, so I, I mean, I've seen Arizona called according to the Associated Press. So I go off their projections. And right now they don't have North Carolina or Georgia projected. But my bet is Georgia goes blue and North Carolina goes red. And that's, uh, I've been using the Associated Press following their map. And then I know on Saturday when they called it Pennsylvania for Biden and then later that day Nevada, Nevada for Biden. Mm -hmm. I, I almost pronounced Nevada the wrong way, the way the way that everybody else does it, but <laughs> but um I remember Saturday like like they projected it and then even Fox News jumped in on it. That's supposed to be kind of like the more favorable media towards Trump. They're like, Look, he got Pennsylvania and Nevada, it, it's over. That they point. were the last ones to do it, however. They were the last. At least they did it. it. It's not like one American news network where they're like still like fighting over. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, even real clear politics moved Pennsylvania out of the Biden column just because they love pandering to their base. So I don't know. Um, reputable news sources have Biden winning. I'll say that much. Yeah, I, I mean, not to pick on like news sources, but like Fox News is like 
first, you know, they're like, well, Biden won, but now they're kind of changing gears because they're losing viewers. They're like, well, this election was rigged. And again, that's something we're going to talk about later. But um, we could talk a little bit more about the presidential one. Was there really any surprises in this presidential one? I mean, State of Georgia was my surprise. It's still not decided, but, you know, the... I think that's a big upset for the GOP and Republicans is that Georgia is now threatening to basically turn blue. And if if the recount goes the way I think it's going to go, I think it's going to be a very narrow margin of victory for Joe Biden. Yeah. I I think even if Biden didn't get the state of Georgia, the fact that I think he will, but let's just say for whatever sakes he didn't get the state of Georgia, I think it would still be alarming the GOP that they um were that close uh or that they lost entirely I think also Georgia is going to be a state to watch for the next two months for sure yeah Um, I mean oh no please keep going I was going to say I mean Georgia's recount isn't going to change much a recount hasn't changed an outcome of an election on the presidential level I think ever in United States history, in a, in a state, so. for whatever reason, I was going to mention something, but I just. Yeah. I think I think Georgia's. I think Georgia's going to stay the same way. We'll probably see it shift by maybe one, two hundred votes. But um, it is super alarming to the GOP, to say the least. I mean, that state. Uh, I, I mean, I would say it's surprising. I thought Georgia was going to go blue. So I mean, I said Georgia was going to go blue, but I also thought that Florida would follow suit, and. The fact that Florida voted to the right of where it was in 2016, I think that was the surprise to me. Um, just Hispanic voters in general, they were definitely surprising in their uh, display of support for President Trump compared to their support for Hillary Clinton in 2016. I think that's a big thing pointed out, too. In the state of Florida, I think uh, uh, people, especially Latino men, were voting for Bi- for voting for Trump in large numbers and uh some people were pointing to the cuban community in miami that was really kind of one of those key factors and that yeah, cuban, the cuban co- community and uh the sorry to interrupt but also it was i think it was also influenced by the influx of venezuelan refugees from that from that the destroyed regime yes, down there the current regime but um i mean i saw florida and i'm like i'm like i i was thinking to myself i'm like it doesn't matter which way florida swings because for me it's like it's like if biden like florida wasn't my total state to watch unless it came down to it i think pennsylvania and that rust belt that hillary lost in 2016 were kind of my watch states yeah yeah you wanted to see if he was gonna kind of rebuild the blue wall that had been there before the 2016 election and biden did end up rebuilding uh the blue wall he won wisconsin michigan and pennsylvania the states that trump overtook in 2016 so those were the the key swing states and biden uh got them and he and he might have flipped arizona ap called arizona but there's always been some kind of debate with outstanding ballots if that should have been called and he might flip georgia it's looking like that, that that's the way he's going so he might have and he uh, picked up the that district in um Nebraska. Nebraska. So he he had Biden had flipped a lot of states and a lot of like electoral votes. So I think it will be interesting when comparing it to the twenty sixteen when it's all said and done. Hey, um, so Ethan, were you surprised that Biden picked up that point in Nebraska? I mean, I know it doesn't look like a lot. And some people might be wondering, why does one split vote in Nebraska matter so much for Joe Biden in this election? I mean, this that one vote, I think, was really a good indicator of that region. Had Iowa and Ohio followed suit in terms of uh, their swing, Nebraska's 2nd District has always been sort of a conservative type of district. It's never really been a Democratic stronghold. The last time I voted for a Democrat was in 2008. And it wasn't by as large of a margin that Biden won at this time. In 2012, Romney won it by seven. And then Hillary Clinton got roughly the same exact vote share as Obama. I mean, within a percentage, but Donald Trump's vote share dropped uh, from when Romney won by seven to Trump winning the district by two. And that was sort of, you know, it became a target for Democrats just because one electoral vote really could have uh, broken the electoral college because let's say 
Georgia had gone red and Nebraska's second had gone red. And for whatever reason, Pennsylvania had remained in the Trump column. That would have been a 269 to 269 tie. Uh, Democrats were very happy with that Nebraska second win. But um, as much as I'd like to say it was an indicator of how that region moved, other than the states of Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, which actually moved marginally, uh, with the exception of Michigan, um, Nebraska second was sort of independent in its movement. And it was really important for Democrats. Maybe it's one electoral vote, but uh, normally it would be a very good indicator. Not so much this time, but I think it shows a shift that these traditional conservative voters who loved Romney and loved other type of Republicans um, had trouble voting for Trump. And I think that was uh, perfectly shown in this district. Biden ended up winning it by 7%. And there were a lot of split ticket voters. A lot of voters voted for the Republican House candidates, local elections, uh, but voted for Biden at the top of the ticket. It showed a lot of uh, you know, hatred towards Trump, I would say, amongst this uh, voting group that was okay with him in 2016, but after four years of his administration, were really tired of him. I felt like there was a lot of that tired vote, too, in certain states. I mean, we've seen it throughout the country that, like, Republicans were tired. I mean, the Lincoln Project managed to flip. They were claiming they flipped about 8% of Republicans total throughout that wasn't, the That's not really a large amount, like... No, let me finish my point. Let me finish my point. Just the other Mike. separatists. Let me finish my point, just, Mike. I'm just calling out the other point. <laughs> let me finish my point. Jeez, let me have this point. <laughs> I've had a day. Give me a minute. Let me finish the point. I mean, there's there was a lot of defective Republicans. It wasn't a lot. Lincoln Project claimed eight percent of like Republicans were gonna vote for Democrat because of stuff they did. I mean, I don't trust totally trust their numbers they had great ads but i didn't totally trust that they were doing what they said they were doing but there was a lot of defective republicans and it made states like texas out of all states uh, i think part of that it kind of rattled the gop grouping in some of these states like even alaska went from a safe state to kind of like a lean state or kind of a likely state and then so do you think that the GOP on this kind of like grand scheme, on the grand stage of it, do you think they kind of rattled that whole foundation? I mean, the Republican Party base in 2016 voted for Trump less than they did in 2020. Uh, but that was just because we had less third party candidates. I mean, the Libertarian nominee, Gary Johnson, got a pretty significant portion of the vote in a number of states. I think his highest vote share was in uh, the state of New Mexico when it was nine points. And there was another candidate, Evan McWellen, who received 21% of the vote in Utah. Um, so the Republican base may have shifted a little bit to the right, but it's still important to note that there were some Republicans who didn't vote for Joe Biden. When we saw uh, Susan Molinari and we saw John Kasich speak at the Democratic convention, uh, John Kasich said it perfectly when he said, if this was a normal election year, you would never see this happening. This would never be happening. But uh, John Kasich and a number of other Republicans viewed Donald Trump as someone who is detrimental to their party. But I think the problem was that while the Lincoln Project may have had good ads, and I think that their ads were good, they weren't exactly appealing too much to the Republican base. This is a, a base that doesn't historically trust the news media. And number two, they probably view Joe Biden worse than Donald Trump. I understand that Donald Trump was never really the person who would be you would look to for um, moral capability, but he also was the face of the Republican Party for the past four years. And it's really hard to take that away from someone who is going to support Republicans on the rest of the ticket that may be iffy about the presidential ticket. So while I do think that the Lincoln Project and a bunch of other um, uh, companies that were trying to persuade these Republican voters to vote in one direction, and sure, they maybe got 8% of them in their own estimation, but that probably isn't true. Um, even if they did get 8% of them, they still, that probably would have, was their peak. They probably weren't going to get more than that, even if they had more money, more fundraising, whatever it was. Um, these Republicans were always going to vote for Trump. And I think it was probably uh, not so good for the Democrats to focus solely on trying to flip these Republican voters. Having a Republicans for Biden movement, sure, you want 8% of them, but if you had focused those funds and resources elsewhere, it's possible that the election victory could have been bigger for Biden. But that's just all hypothetical. There's no real data to back that up yet, but that's sort of how I view it. I mean, I think that's a conversation for a few years down the road, maybe during the next presidential election cycle. That would be a good one. Um, what's um, um, what one like interesting like news story that 
was going around is about Professor Alan Lichman. Like, do you guys know who that is? Um, who predicts like the president yeah. every year? So he, when he was explaining why he thought Biden would win, he basically said up until March of this year, Trump was in a very good position to win. But uh, he said he basically went on, like he has these keys. And if you go above six keys, like if you lose six keys or whatever, you're going to lose the election. And he said Trump was going to lose because of COVID, the economic downturn that it caused and all the social unrest in the country. So I think that was interesting that he was probably going to win without COVID-19. I think that's I think that's valid. I mean, yeah, Joe Biden could have won if COVID-19 had not hit, but I really think that helped. And we've seen how close it was. So it is possible had the economy remained as strong as it was prior to COVID. And there was no, uh, I mean, a lot of Democrats would argue otherwise, but national ineffective display of leadership from President Trump, we probably would have seen an election result that was much more favorable to the president where he could have won. He could have won larger than 2016. He could have won by less, but Four years is four years, and I think without COVID-19, it would have been much more difficult for Democrats to win the election. Absolutely. I think that's a, that's an important thing to bring up. And we kind of we kind of saw the Trump show fall flat on his face because of COVID-19. And then everything else that kind of led to it. Because I was watching a segment on ABC News, and they were mentioning that the sudden jump when George Floyd died the sudden jump in people registered to vote, but not only people registered to vote, but Democrats registered to vote. Like, Republicans from January to up until the week before George Floyd's death was Republicans out-registering Democrats and independents. And then after that, you just saw that jump straight up mm-hmm. for independent people who are independent or third party or Democrats. So... I mean, there. Were, I I think COVID's part of it, but there was also the social injustice and the social, and the yeah. uh, race, uh, the race. You know, the Black Lives Matter protests and all that going on too. That really kind of, kind of, made it really hard for Trump to come over. You know, in a sense. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think the mix of COVID, the economy, and um, the racial injustice. Oh God, I forgot about the economy just tanking back there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about yeah well, that goes hand in hand with the virus. So. You know, I did get laid off because of that, so I totally for I I just got yeah. over that. And now I have to go relive that trauma. <laughs> done, done. Um, but yeah, no, I think the three combined, and they combined in very close periods of time. Like March was COVID, the economy kind of started tanking. April, May. George Floyd happened towards the end of May, June, and then other uh, other um, people of color, specifically uh, Black Americans, uh, more stories kept coming out. Yeah, the uh, more kept happening, and the, the president wasn't really showing the, the leadership I think the country needed. Well, it does help that a week after George Floyd was killed, he called the protesters not the rioters the protesters thugs i don't think that really helped his case and the and the rose garden i think the rose garden that literally literally that whole cnn clip of the double box with the rose garden speech going on and the tear gas and the you know and the swat team pushing out the protesters looked something straight out of something you would see in like a superhero movie of like an evil villain or something like lex luther and then batman and stuff like that or from like a Cold War yeah, movie like, or something. When you uh, when you looked at voter turnout and who voted for who, um, and this has been the case for many years, but black women really carried the Democratic Party this year, as they have for many years, and mm-hmm. they really don't get like enough credit for for that, because I think they were like ninety two percent Biden, like eight percent Trump yeah. Yeah. around there. Uh, and, yeah, that's a. I think it was the highest. It was the biggest difference in uh, in a voter group was black women ninety two percent Biden and then eight percent Trump, and that was something that really helped carry the Biden campaign. I hate to use the word carried because Biden did go and campaign and he talked to these groups and stuff and he was taking it seriously. And with Kamala Harris being picked as VP, I think that helped a lot too. And I hate to say that it was carried by them, but they you know they worked together very well. 
Yeah, I mean, COVID not, I mean, COVID helped the Democratic Party, I'd say, but also hurt because the Democratic Party was so focused on, uh, you know, staying safe, which obviously, you know, public health is number one, but the Republican Party, they were still holding voter registration drives in person. They were still canvassing throughout the uh, closer part of the year towards the election. We saw a bunch of Senate races and a bunch of uh, states starting to allow canvassing uh, for Democratic candidates amongst their Democratic Party just because they spent so much time, you know, saying people need to play it safe. But the Republican Party didn't really focus much on that. They did door knocking efforts and they held in-person uh, voter registration drives, which really helped the Republican Party specifically in Florida. Uh, despite it being a hotspot for COVID-19, the Democratic Party was too afraid to do anything in person. And probably rightfully so, a lot of people are dying in Florida. But on the other hand, the Republican Party was not afraid and they ended up outpacing the Democrats significantly uh, in terms of voter registration. I don't know how many people, number one, would have access to a computer if we're talking about an economically disadvantaged area, not many of them are going to have access to a computer and internet and a microphone to get on Zoom to register virtually. It takes a lot of uh, ground game in order to benefit the Democratic Party. And I think that was something, while COVID may have helped them secure the White House, had this been a non-COVID year, it could have been a Trump presidency, but the Democrats could have fared much better down ballot. And I think that due to COVID, it helped them in one way, but it also really hurt them because Democrats need ground game to win, and they didn't roll it out until the final month before the campaign, and by then, it was far too late. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point, but it's also kind of a good transition to uh, about the local elections that we had in our area. I mean, well, most of us are in the state of New York, I mean, but we're scattered throughout. I mean, me and Hannah are in upstate, Mike's on Long Island, and Sarah's in New York City. So I just wanted to hear from you guys before we get to Ethan, like how, how'd your local elections go? I mean, uh, I can go first. Everyone who I uh, voted for on my ballot uh, got the W. Um, so I was pretty happy. Uh, I, I get to say, I get to vote for AOC, which is pretty cool considering. I was about to ask if you wanted like a participation trophy or something for you. Like, yeah, yeah. Every candidate I chose got the W. At the W, um, and then um, our the person I voted for um, our uh, state congressman. I think in my area, New York City. I think New York City in general, where we we tend to vote on the Democratic side. For me, though, this election, I used to be. I'm probably the most conservative in my house. I'm uh, I'm like um, a moderate liberal. Um, but really, for me, what this election was about, I I just have kind of been personally kind of disgusted at how the GOP has been acting. And there are some years where I probably would have done a split ticket on some uh, on some of my ballots. But for me, it was more just kind of using my voice to, in a way, kind of punish the GOP because. I just think the partisanship, and it's on both sides, but I think right now the partisanship that's been shown specifically by the GOP for me has just been a bit too much, and it was more about Trump losing Trump losing than Biden winning for me, okay. and I think it was more about that than anything else. So let's move on from woman to woman. Hannah, um, your election and stuff, how did that go? I mean, like voting and everything. Um, well, I think out of everybody here, I am from the smallest town. Um, there isn't even a population of a thousand where I'm from. Uh, I worked, I, I work at a local restaurant. Um, I worked on election day and everybody that came in was all coming from our little city hall. Everybody had their I voted stickers on and they were all talking about the election. And as somebody who's serving food and has to be very nice and show hospitality, Sometimes it was very difficult. <laughs> um, you can't really get involved, you know. But I remember I went after work. My mom and I decided to go together and vote. And, of course, that was after, you know, everybody was at a, you know, nine to five. And I think I waited in line outside for two hours to go vote. Um, and there were people around us complaining and stuff. And I just remember thinking, like, hey, you get to vote. Like, um, like I'll, I'll gladly like do this as long as I get my right to vote. Um, but yeah, it apparently it was like that all day. 
Uh, I've never seen a line outside of City Hall like that so long. And I remember as a little kid going with my dad to vote during um, Bush's re-election, and he's the only one there. But there's there you go. There's a line outside, and um, where I'm from, there's a lot of older conservative Republicans and. There's a lot of MAGA hats, a lot of Trump supporters. Um, Trump won in my area, like needless to say. <laughs> You're so so shocked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm astonished. Let me tell you. Um, not that I really want to get into like or who I voted for. I'm not going to do that in this conversation. All right. Um, I mean that that's fair. That's your right to you know be like I voted, but I'm not telling you who. Well, I voted. I got my sticker right here. I even got a picture of the see, sticker on my couch. See, I live in a county where they did away with the stickers, and I'm really mad about that. That's Same. What, I, got, I got robbed. But that's why I took the selfie in front of the American flag. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take the selfie. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you my sticker. <laughs> um, I voted early sticker. I think this is like the first time in like New York City you could actually go and vote early. Um, the Northeast states are actually kind of one of the more harder ones to register to vote in and to kind of vote in. Um, we have more strict laws. Like in Nevada, you could do state, same day registration in New York City and New York State. You have to be registered about it. Yeah, you got to be registered like a month before the election. All right. So let's get into Mike and then I'll get into me and then to Ethan. I mean, Ethan, I know I'm you didn't vote, interested. but we could talk about how it was in your area and stuff like that. And like maybe how your friends who were able to or your parents and stuff were able to vote. Mm -hmm. But Mike, Long Island Mike. Yes. How was that? Because <laughs> you were telling me about what was going on and all the protests and stuff going on on both sides of both of my Black Wait, Lives Matter. Protests? And and uh and the uh the Trump supporters. I mean your your area was a hotbed for that kind oh, of yeah. stuff. Oh yeah, Long Long Island, specifically like Nassau and Suffolk County, is like the new Trump country. Like I have numbers right here, like Trump in twenty sixteen got fifty one fifty point one percent in Nassau and fifty five point seven in Suffolk. And that's very rural areas. And Long Island usually flip-flops now and again between Republican and Democrat just based on the person. But now I feel that it's fully in the red. And everybody I vote for, like, you know, no matter what, it's like it was all red. Like, Lee's, I think Lee Zeldin, my local re representative, had a, good, had a good challenger, but in Nancy Gore, but he won in a huge way. I think mostly because he was in Trump's inner circle and he was part of the early task force and part of the impeachment defense team. So, I mean, that, that would definitely get some cred with people who align with Trump's ideologies and stuff like that. So I, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that Mike. Yeah. And just my area in general, like I just see like, you know, all the, the just even today I saw like, you know, the typical pickup truck of like an American flag and like three different kind of Trump flags. Were like, they you know, a half flying. mass? No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. People, Oops. bunch of people still have like Trump stuff up, which is which is crazy. Um, a lot of my Trump stuff in my area has started to disappear slowly. Like on Saturday, when AP announced that Biden had won the election, I think a quarter of all the Trump stuff on my way to work was down. And then today, which is just a week after Tuesday, because, you know, I can do math. Uh, I want to say three-fourths of all the Trump stuff I saw is down now. But I didn't mean to cut you off, Mike, but I totally, totally get where you're coming from. Because we're both kind of in rural areas or no rural areas with Hannah as well. Yeah. And I'm, and, you know, I think it's mostly because my area is red because... I think we're right next to New York City, and we're seen as, like, New York City's playground, in a sense. Like, you know, people have, New York City people have houses in the Hamptons, and they choose, and they go to our beaches, and et cetera, et cetera. So I think that sort of stigma, like, you know, pushes us towards the Republican side a little bit. And especially now, like, you know, since Donald Trump and most Republicans have labeled New York City, like, in our anarchist zone and a communist zone since AOC <laughs> got elected there. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I 
that's that's what I think because I haven't looked at numbers, but I'm pretty sure Long Island, full Long Island, went blue. Like you know, Brooklyn, Queens, Nassau, and Suffolk went full blue for when Obama was elected. But I had to check the numbers. Uh, so let's move on to me really quick, and then we can move on to Ethan because uh, I want to kind of like get this ball moving. But it was kind of weird because my election, it's like in 2016, there was Trump stuff everywhere. And I do mean everywhere. Like every house is like Trump this, Trump that, Trump this, Trump that. And then this year, it was a little more split between Trump, nothing, Biden. So I think there was a rift. I think some people had fallen out with Trump. But when it came to my local elections, I mean, for me, I just, uh, I did my research. I voted who for who I wanted for. I mean in private conversations uh I, my friends know exactly who i was super fond of who i really wasn't what you voted for kanye right obviously <laughs> duh <laughs> voted for kanye west y'all <laughs> i'm just kidding Ind- <laughs> india would have my ass if i voted for kanye west <laughs> well, I, I, I almost i almost wrote him in for uh town justice because it was just this one dude running unopposed and i'm like i should write in kanye west i know nothing about this dude might as well write in kanye he might just show up he's gone to wyoming he clearly would show up if he got elected <laughs> But, um, it was kind of weird because, like, the way we voted and stuff, like, I went in person, I went with my grandparents during the downtime, and, like, I was in and out in, like, five minutes. I knew, I knew exactly who was on my ballot, who I wanted to vote for, and it was just quick and easy. Yeah, my, I was online for, like, 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I know, Hannah, I know, I've been to your town and stuff, and I'm surprised that it was, like, a two-hour wait time, but, you know, those people are very polarized out there, too. Well, yes, but think about it, though. Like, when I went specifically was, like, when there was the longest uh, wait time, I think. Uh, but, like, I went after work, so, like, I was around when everybody was getting out of work. That's true. Even, even customers coming into my work all day said it was about an hour wait, which, I mean, I, I applaud them. I'm really glad that they had a wait line, which means people went out and vote. They went out and voted, you know? Like, at least they went and did it, you know? Exactly. But uh, let's let Ethan have the floor here. Uh, I know you mentioned your age and you weren't able to vote in this election, but what was kind of like going on in your local area? I mean, and do you know how people like voted and stuff? I mean, yeah, I live in a very democratic area. We're a D.C. suburb, so we're right on the outskirt. And I think we voted for Biden with 92 percent of the vote. So you won't find really any Trump paraphernalia around here. Um or really any Republican paraphernalia. It's kind of, uh, we're the one of those districts where you'll see Republicans who are opportunistic send out those ads on uh, Twitter and ask for money because they supposedly can flip this solid blue district. So I don't know, we get some type of attention because of that alone, but we really never see uh, Democrats losing around here. I mean, we're pretty much entirely Democratic ran. Um, and there's not much variation in terms of my uh, school and who I know and who they voted for. I don't think I know a single person who voted for the Republican Party. Out of all of the people that I've talked to about it, if they voted for Trump in 2016, they were voting for Biden this time around. So uh, Maryland, I think, um, is on track to have a little bit higher turnout once they count all the ballots. Like I said way earlier, uh, they're still receiving ballots up through tomorrow, but it looks like Biden will be doing better than Hillary, who also did better than Obama. So my state just has a Democratic identity, but especially around here, that's pretty much all I've seen. I haven't really seen anything different. Uh, I think you've been spared some of the horrors that you had to deal with with uh, Trumpers and stuff like that. I'm not saying they're all bad people, but there has been some pretty bad cases out uh, out in the rural areas of New York. <laughs> they are bold. <laughs> They are very bold. There's not a lot of them, but they are bold. Uh, <laughs> um, I had a question about how we all voted, but it sounds like we all voted safely for those who were able to vote. I mean, I actually I, voted early. Yeah, I know. I, I sent in a mail-in. So Mike did mail-in. So uh, your vote is illegal according to the current lawsuits. <laughs> hey, I hey I did before November, so oh, I did you're like fine. early October. I voted in person. I wore my mask, social distance. I mean, I literally rolled out of bed, put on a knit hat and a mask, and I went down to my polling place. It it was great. I was doing democracy in my PJs. 
We did a family kind of vote thing. So we all wanted, my sister had to work. So we, she went the next day. Um, my brother said for him, people were like cheering him on because they saw he had anxiety uh, when he was voting. And they're like, it's okay, man, you did it. It's done. Um, so Sam, my brother had uh, agoraphobia. So he actually left the house to go and vote. With us. That's pretty good. Um, I'm glad he was able to go out and uh and vote. And then in New York City, mine didn't come, and neither did my sisters. Maybe because of where we went to college, and our addresses kind of got screwed up. But they had like a fast pass in New York City where they would just scan your thing, so you could like so they didn't have to like search your name in the book and everything, which made it move faster instead of the book. Now they do it on iPads, and you just sign on the iPad. Right. That's kind of how they did it in the city. <laughs> Um, Hannah, we know how you voted. Waited two hours, voted in person. I yeah, mean, I, uh, you were socially distant and all that stuff, right? I oh, mean, absolutely. Um, I voted in person. I went with my mom. Uh, we waited in line outside. So, a good chunk of time we were outside. And <laughs> the girl behind us, like, for some she, she wasn't wearing her mask. She was literally a foot behind my mom the whole time. My mom kept turning around and giving her direct eye contact to be like, excuse me, can you please social distance? And this girl, this girl, I was not registering to her. My mom was texting me like, I'm so pissed. Why won't this girl get away from me? <laughs> I didn't have, weirdly enough, and last thing, and then we'll get into the rest of it, but weirdly enough, for an area for a place where where before I work where I work now, I was working in a convenience store. I got told to go f myself over the mask policy. For an area that really hates masks, everybody wore their mask and they were very strict about it. Like if someone had it below their nose, they're like, uh, uh-uh, you have to go outside and put it on all the way. Like they wouldn't even let you stand inside with like down your nose. They, they, that's how it is in the area. They knew they did their research and they uh they must have had a good breakfast to stand up to these people be like, Hey, go outside, put on your mask. But oh, yeah, I got, I got called a bitch a few weeks ago by two customers. Cause I told them they had to wear their masks. They came in like being like very crude and like hitting on me. They're like, Hey, uh, I'm a redhead, Ethan, just to give you some context. Um, <laughs> hey, are, you, are you smiling under that mask? And I was like, well, I would be if you were wearing yours. Where's your mask? <laughs> and they're like, oh, uh, we can't wear a mask. I'm like, oh, well, just so you know, um, like I, I did my usual standard protocol. Like, hey, uh, you got to wear a mask if you stand up, mm-hmm. like, walk around the store. And they're like, well, we're just going to sit and eat. I'm like, well, there's a thing. When you leave, it requires getting up and walking across the restaurant. That means you have to wear a mask, <laughs> and and they're and like I, I explain this to them, and they're like, oh well, we can just take our money elsewhere if like you're you're just gonna act like this. I'm like, okay, have a good day, sir, and I open the door for him, and he called me a fucking fucking bitch, and he walked out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what we've been doing with bullets. Uh, <laughs> on that note, I have to be the guy to keep this conversation. On that note, um. Let's talk about what this election means at the whole. I mean, we have the the lawsuits going on. We have we have the lawsuits going on by the Trump uh, the Trump campaign. We also have how absentee ballots are going to be viewed, how drive through voting is going to be viewed, and all that. So I think Ethan, um, I wrote this down. I'm like, what is this election going to s- set up for like not just maybe the next presidential cycle or the next midterms but like in general like what does elect this election because of how historic it was what's it going to mean like down the road like maybe like five years like i said the next presidential cycle the 10 years down the road 20 years from now like what has been set in this election you know i don't think we've seen the last of trump-like candidates um in 2018 we saw a bunch of republicans primary their uh, Republican incumbents or with retiring Republicans, a bunch of Trump-like candidates, um, most notably Ron DeSantis down in Florida. We have a bunch of people like him who are probably going to be very similar to President Trump in terms of their campaign tactic. And while many people, many Democrats would like this election to be that this is the end of Donald Trump and this is the end of his family and what he believes in, I don't really think that's what's going to happen. I think we're going to see uh, in future elections, possibly even 20 years from now, people using the same exact playbook as President Trump, because it worked once. There's no reason why it couldn't work again. 
This election is not an indicator that the American people uh, are tired of Trump can- Trump's campaign tactics. I mean, yes, they didn't reelect him, but not by much. And at the same time, had the uh, had the environment been a little bit different, it is very possible that Trump had won again. Um, and I think this election has shown that while we do have points where we will back away from someone that we previously elected, I mean, he's the first president to lose re-election since the 90s, um, since George H.W. Bush. And I think that this tells us that while it may not be a long-lasting um, campaign style, this may not be something that candidates could roll with for more than four years, it is possible that in local elections, uh, Senate elections, House elections, that candidates who sort of mimic President Trump and uh, how he's campaigned for the past four years, they could very well be elected. Um, and I don't think that this election is actually going to change much. I think we're going to see an exact same field uh, that we saw uh, in 2016, just in 2024, with different senators, different representatives, with one very outspoken candidate. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot of Republicans start to jump onto what Donald Trump did, number one. And then uh, for the Democrats, I mean, looking ahead, I think they're going to start targeting some of these key states. They're going to definitely solidify Georgia. I think Georgia could very well be uh, a state that the Democratic Party sort of has in their lean column going into 2024. Texas was closer than 2016. It was six points. And despite Biden doing uh, considerably worse amongst Hispanic voters than Hillary Clinton, they still got Texas uh, narrowed up. So I think the Democrats are going to focus on swing states, but um, I don't think that this is going to change much in terms of candidate quality. I think we're going to see a lot of the same for decades to come because it worked once. Like I said, there is no reason it can't work again. I mean, I, uh, I, I I know that Don Jr. has hinted that he may want to run down a road. And usually I'm a guy that's like, hey, don't threaten me with a good time. But, you know, after one Trump, I, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm like, I don't want to see another one anywhere near an yeah. office. I don't care if it's a post office or the presidential office. Me as a person, I'm like, I am sick of them. But yeah, is, and the oh, is, sorry. No, I'm like, it, it's a good point you brought up that, you know, we're going to see these types of candidates because I think Trump has kind of rewritten uh, an old playbook on how to win the White House. And those candidates who are able to kind of manipulate and do a little fear-mongering tactics, it really goes a long way. I mean, it could be done either way. It could be done as a Republican or a Democrat, but it seems to do better as a Republican and hitting that conservative base. But, Mike, what were you about to bring up that i so rudely cut you off at (laughs) well uh the question also the democratic side is that uh i don't know if this is confirmed or not but rumors are that joe biden is just going to do a one-term president going to do a one-term you know reform sort of of bring back repeal a bunch of policies that donald trump had put in place and then do that sort of swan song where where he's probably going to lift up Kamala Harris as the next next uh, Democratic candidate for president after he's done by 2024. So the question is, is since it, let's just say if Kamala Harris is chosen to be the Democratic candidate, the, the party right now was willing to settle for like a Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, but since, you know, we've seen, like, you know, the progressive lean that the Democrats are going towards these days, especially AOC, Elizabeth Warren, uh, and Bernie Sanders, the big question is, like, you know, will the Democratic Party, like, you know, unite under Harris like they did, like they sort of united under Biden, or will this... Will there be sort of like an infighting that we sort of saw in 2016? I think, well, Kamala Harris, I mean, she's more progressive than Biden. I think that the reason partially why he chose her is because he was she was a good compromise. Um, a lot of progressive Democrats probably wouldn't view her that way just because she's given up a lot about her own personal beliefs just to uh, jump onto the Biden ticket. But I mean, that's politics. And I think that if Biden chooses not to run, even though he said he's going to if he wins the election, um, really think that the Democratic Party might actually be happier under Kamala Harris, because not only does she offer um, a new type of candidate, I mean, one we literally have never seen before on the presidential ticket, 
um, at the top of the ticket at least, um, I think she offers something new. And her progressive ideals would actually require her to nominate a centrist as VP because I definitely think she would skew a little bit more to the left uh, if she is the presidential nominee. And I think they'd need to counteract that. But um, I could easily see the Democratic Party being happier under a Harris uh, nomination than they were currently under a Biden uh, nomination. But then again, the majority of Democrats did want Joe Biden after it became a two-way race. So and that's yet to be seen. But I think Harris actually wouldn't be too bad of a choice in 2024. Yeah, sort of like a uh, JFK, oh, J, uh, JFK, Lyndon Johnson sort of ticket. Yeah, I mean, that Harris just, she seemed to be, I mean, she's a very good speaker, I'd say. Um, and I think that she checks a lot of boxes. A lot of Democrats would be very happy with running her. And she's great at debates. I mean, did you see her beat up that poor man from Indiana on TV? Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I think another one is like, you know, after this election, I mean, let's talk about those lawsuits. Trump is, I feel like he's throwing a lot of Hail Mary plays just to see which one is going to work. And they keep giving them downs. It's like, oh, you know, offsides or holding or whatever. They keep giving them downs. Um, this hasn't really been seen before in any election where there was like crazy lawsuits in key swing states. I mean, people keep comparing it to the 2000 election between Gore and Bush, but that wasn't quite the same. This wasn't like a few hundred votes. This is like a few mm -hmm. thousand or, you know, tens of thousands of votes where yeah. Trump is like, well, these aren't actual votes, you know, they're illegal votes. So do you think that these, uh, these kind of long shot lawsuits that are being, you know, tossed out left and right. Do you think that's going to set a precedent for other people who lose elections to be like, well, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm suing because I think my results were, the the results were skewered. Yeah, I, I, Karen Bass, um, she was floated as a potential VP pick. Her opponent in the House of Representatives lost by 72 points, and he announced that he would not be conceding because he wants every legal vote to be counted. And, I mean, he lost horribly. And he still will not accept the election results because he believes, because of President Trump, that there was voter fraud in his district. Um, at the end of the day, these cases are going to get thrown out. Every single thing. I think he, he's uh, Trump is at 0-12 right now, I think. Um, he has not done well. And if somehow he finds a way to make this a federal issue to get up to the Supreme Court, they're not going to rule in his favor. And when we, we see a bunch of other candidates, John James in Michigan also said he was not accepting the election results because, I mean, he's saying there's fraud. A bunch of other Republicans are saying there's fraud. Um, David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler have also said so in uh, the state of Georgia that there were discrepancies. And uh, a lot of them are jumping on to President Trump. And I think this does set a precedent that if there is someone who doesn't trust the election results or does trust them but doesn't like them, they very well could say, you know, this election is not real. And I can guarantee it, even if these lawsuits come up with absolutely nothing, if the Republican Party cannot put up any uh, set of proof, and Biden is inaugurated as he will be in January 2021, we could probably see maybe 30, 40% of the Republican Party if they continue to go down this road denying the validity of the election. And the Republican Party loves to bring up that the Democratic Party used, you know, the hashtag not my president uh, back in 2016. But this is a very different scenario that back then the Democratic Party had won the popular vote and the states were actually closer than they are now. And I think that um, when we're talking about President Trump's baseless claims, I think that really hurts American democracy. And there's a reason why Republicans are now even uh, that senator from Oklahoma who's threatening now to sue the Trump administration if they aren't to uh, begin the uh, transition briefings for President-elect Biden. Uh, the Republican Party is probably going to end up turning on Trump, but this definitely does set a precedent for future elections. I, I did not even know about that senator from Oklahoma threatening to sue, be like, hey, um, you lost. It's a fair election. I mean, I've seen other Republicans come forward, like George W. Bush, he came forward. It's like, it's a fair election, and Biden won. We have to accept that. I know some of them have, but th I think these lawsuits are really just a distraction. And there was the one case, there has only been one specific case of voter fraud, and that's a man in Pennsylvania who tried to request an absentee ballot for his dead mother. And he was going to fill in, uh, apparently he was going to fill it in and send that back in and pretend she was still alive, even though her death certificate was months ago. 
And yeah. that, that's really the only case that they can find. Everything else uh, people have been lying about. I mean, we saw the guy redact in Nevada. Redact his, Veritas, yeah. Yeah, he redacted his statement. He's like, oh, I, that's not true. But uh, um, Sarah and Hannah, do you guys have any questions about maybe the future of the political landscape, the elections, and what they mean? Um, I just, I'm interested in uh, what you think is going to happen in Georgia with the runoffs, because there is, um, one scenario where if, I, I don't think this will happen, but if, um, Georgia goes blue on both, then the Democrats will have the majority, but if it splits, it's looking like the Republicans will have it, or if they get both, Republicans will still be very, in very good shape with the Senate. So what are your feelings on uh, the runoff? Do you think Purdue claiming voter fraud is going to maybe sway some votes? Well, a lot of what we saw from, I'm going I'm to talk about Kelly Loeffler really briefly and then go into Purdue because they're sort of tied together now. Uh, Kelly Loeffler ran on a campaign that required President Trump to carry the state. She was big on, I'm the pro-Trump candidate. And while David Purdue didn't exactly cling on to President Trump as much as Kelly Loeffler did, they both ran a very similar campaign. Um, I think once we're getting into the runoff, they're both going to try to say that they're moderate Republicans, that they're Romney-esque type Republicans, because it's clear that the Trump playbook did not work there. Um, Biden was able to do so much damage to Trump and Democrats all around in that state. That was probably one of the only states where the Democrats actually did well in the House of Representatives as well. Um, I think that the Democratic Party brought down David Perdue into runoff territory. And now that he is saying, with Kelly Loeffler in a joint statement saying, you know, there is voter fraud and jumping onto President Trump. And while there are reports that President Trump actually said he wasn't going to endorse either of them unless they did that, it doesn't really matter. I mean, why would they really need his endorsement in full force? They, uh, he wouldn't actively uh, oppose them as potential senators. And Trump didn't even win the state. So I think Purdue jumping onto this Trump bandwagon hurts him, but it's still Georgia. And while they may have voted for Biden, it looks like on the presidential level, it still holds a pretty strong Republican identity. And I think that this state in particular will be the first sign for the GOP to vote against uh, a potential Biden administration. And they're going to try to play the you know checks and balances system on uh, Biden with the Democratic Party being the projected winners of the House of Representatives. I think that the Republican Party will win both of the Senate races, but it's not out of the question that uh, both of the Democrats win there. But if I was to say one Democrat in particular, I'd say it's Raphael Warnock just because Kelly Loeffler uh, is pretty strange in the way that she ran her campaign. She tried to run it like Trump, and I don't think it's going to end up uh, favoring her too much in the runoff. It's that playbook again. They forgot to put in the asterisks at the bottom. Results may vary. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Hannah, do you have anything else to add? Um, not particularly, uh, other than one question. Um, Ethan, when are you going to run? <laughs> ah yes a great question <laughs> i thought it was a great question it's Can not in my notes and i've been blindsided but ethan do you have any interest in running let's start there i mean i, I kind of want to just work for a news station and have my own you know magic wall where i can circle things and talk to people but <laughs> maybe maybe i'll end up running for something i don't i don't really find an interest in running for major office but then again i'm 17 but it just seems like it would be very corrupting and i don't really want to do that but right. we'll see. so maybe, you, want, you want to work at a decision desk or be the next steve kornacki yeah no yeah steve kornacki absolutely he's probably one of my him john king harry anton those people are like my heroes i guess you could say i really want to have my own magic wall i tried to google how much they cost and touchscreen tvs are not cheap so no they no, are not they are <laughs> very expensive yeah I'm, so they yeah I would love to have a touchscreen TV, but I, I <laughs> great question to end on, Hannah. Uh, Ethan just wants his touchscreen TV so he can do the magical map things and write on it. <laughs> maybe, maybe start a GoFundMe to get Ethan a touchscreen thingy so he can circle the election process. Ah, <laughs> uh, and on that note, uh, we're gonna end the episode here, kind of a longer one, but you know there was a lot to go over and there's some stuff we didn't get to talk about but this is kind of this is kind of it if we didn't hit it now we're not going to hit it for the rest of the year <laughs> sorry <laughs> unless something happens in 2021 unless something immediately happens in 2021 
fucking set. We've had enough of 2020. We don't need more of this in 2021. Look, the fact that Biden won on Saturday and Alex Trebek died on Sunday, that was just like, that's basically 2020 as a whole year. It's like, all right, something good's finally happening and tragedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> anyways, thank you, Ethan, from Let's Talk Elections. Uh, we can obviously find you on YouTube. Where else can we find you on the webs? Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I think my Twitter should be LT elections. So the E isn't repeated. And then on Instagram, it's let's talk elect because character limit. Um, but other than that, I'm not really active on any other type of social media. So YouTube is what I use the most though. And that's where I post all of my content. So definitely be sure to go check out Ethan on YouTube. And I'm looking at your channel right now. Uh, I thought you were going to take a break, but I already see you have the 2024 electoral map up. Um, I think the final question is, when are you going to take a break? <laughs> Honestly, I don't, I don't get bored of it. Um, I think I'm going to jump right into the election uh, 2022 is my prime target um i there's a local virginia governor's race coming up in 2017 that could be interesting because it definitely was back uh three years ago so i don't think i'm going to take a break because i don't really find that i need to i really actually i enjoy it a lot so i love that energy <laughs> <laughs> we, love, we love that energy here and on that note uh never stop grinding uh that's gonna do it for us here on the poorly written podcast so everybody say bye Bye. 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 Uh, <laughs> so much politics but finally we can at least for us this time we can finally stop i know ethan you got a long road ahead with the runoffs and stuff so i gotta give you props dude because you were non-biased the whole time like i still don't know what your political views are but you just stated the facts honestly props to you